Hello and welcome to Camel Screen Guild Players from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild Players. The Lady Esther Screen Guild play tonight, Michael and Mary. The starring players, this is Herbert Marshall. And this is Anne Todd. Tonight, Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild players in A.A. Milne's delightful romance, Michael and Mary. It stars Anne Todd, the lovely British film and stage star recently arrived from England to grace the American screen, and the ever-charming and popular Herbert Marshall. The Lady Esther Screen Guild players in Michael and Mary. Michael, darling. Hmm? Oh, Mary, dear, why didn't you tell me you were standing there? Michael, you were so absorbed. Is this such an important story? Yes. Yes, as a matter of fact, it is a very important story. Perhaps the most important story I've ever done. What's it about, Michael? You, me, us. Oh. Everything that's happened from the very beginning. The beginning. That was a long time ago. Very long time ago. 1905, remember? In the British Museum. The little room where they keep the coin collections. You were sitting there on a bench, crying to yourself. And then you walked in, and you were rather embarrassed. You stood there first on one foot, and then on the other. And then finally you turned to me and... I say, do you, do you mind if I sit down? I mean, right at this end, of course. I'm, 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 I'm not trying to. The <laughs> fact is, I'm meeting somebody else. I, uh... I'll go. No, no, please, no. I, I, I don't mean that. I mean, as soon as she comes, we'll be clearing out and... Oh, no, no, do sit down. Hang it all. It isn't my museum. Ah, oh, thanks awfully. Now, then, if I sit at this end and we pretend there are six very fat people in between us... I mean, I'll, I'll turn my back on you and I'll chew my gloves or something and you won't even know I'm here. Is that all right? Yes. Good. Oh, bless her. Why can't Vi be on time just this once? You were... You're waiting for someone. Yes. Awfully useful place, the British Museum, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, for meeting. Then I expect that's why you're here, too. No. I just wanted to sit down somewhere. Well, it's useful for that, too, of course. Your young lady, is she... Uh, are you... Mm, oh, no, not, no, not exactly. I mean, we're not... 
Oh, I know her awfully well. She's frightfully pretty and all that, but of course I... I mean, I couldn't. I mean, what could we be married on? Why should anyone be married? Ever? Oh, I presume there are reasons, if one could think of them. There aren't. There aren't any reasons. Any reasons at all. Oh, no, you aren't, you aren't crying. No, no, you mustn't. Not on my birthday. Oh, what can I do? <clears throat> what can I do? I just can't die. Look here. You're not going to die. You can't. I, I couldn't allow it. Oh, I hate you all. Horrible men. I beg your pardon? Horrible gentlemen. He was a gentleman, too. He behaved so beautifully at lunch. But what did he do to you? He married me. Oh? Strange. I didn't think of you as married. I can't show you the wedding ring. I pawned it a month ago. <clears throat> what do you think I got for it? Oh, no, no, don't. This is horrible. Half a crown. Oh? It looked like gold, but it wasn't. Just gilt-edged, same as him. I always wonder how any woman can marry any man. I was employed in a shop. Oh, you were in a shop? Yes, but I'm not a clergyman's daughter. Where should you be? I'm not a snob. You're saying to yourself, I've been talking to her just as if she was a lady, a clergyman's daughter. Not at all. I'm sick of clergymen. My father's a clergyman. What is your father? He's dead. And my mother. Years ago. Oh, no. And your husband, did he just... He just left me. But how? Why? I don't know. He had his fun, I suppose. He was a funny man, my husband. I've got his last letter here. Perhaps you'd like to... Oh, no, 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 please. Dear I... Mary, it says, Goodbye to England, home and beauty. I'm off to Philadelphia in the morning. That's a quotation, so it's funny. <laughs> Sorry I can't stay, but we don't suit each other. You'll find another man like enough, and if you want to marry him, go right ahead. And you needn't bother about a divorce. You see, there was something I forgot to tell you. My first wife had never divorced me either. So, you see, we weren't really married, were we? That's all, my dear. Except that my address is a coat and trousers. I'm afraid I can't leave it to you. Your loving husband, Harry. Funny, isn't it? What a horrible man. Yes. What will you do? Go back to the shop? I tried. They don't like taking you back. Well, some other shop. I've been trying ever since. Well, it's too bad. Where do you live? Nowhere. They turned me out this morning. Well, you mean you've no one in the world to go to? No one. Nothing. But what would you have done tonight? Oh, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't, would you? Yes. I think I would. The way you said it, Mary. I remember that was the thing that got me. But you couldn't do much about it just then. That was when your young lady came in. Violet Cunliffe, if I recall correctly. Yes, and she was rather put out when she found you with me, talking to me when you didn't even know my name. And so she flounced off and left me with you. And I still didn't even know your name. And you might never have known it to this day, darling. Except that just as I started to run off, too... Just a moment, wait. I can't let you go. Don't you dare touch me. No, that's silly. I was only trying... And I have my pride. Your young lady was proud. Well, so am I. No, but Just I... because I was married to a cad. Just because I worked in a shop. If that's pride, there's nothing to be proud of. Look here. If you were shipwrecked in mid-Atlantic, would you refuse to be rescued till you were introduced to the captain of the ship? Well, you're shipwrecked now. And my sail has just come over the horizon. I... I thought you were just a silly boy at first. You're a man, aren't you? One of those horrible men. 
But your young lady was angry. Oh, promise you'll make it up with her. I couldn't bear to oh, think... Oh, let's of not it. even talk about her. I, I think everyone and everything will conspire to give Miss Cunliffe a good time ever since she was born. Now somebody's going to give you a good time. Or slightly better time, anyway. I... I'll do anything you say. Well, now, I've got 200 pounds in the bank, which my mother left me. And I've got rooms in Islington. I'm a writer, do you see, or, or trying to be one. Now, even if I don't earn anything for a year, I can almost live on half my balance. The question is, can you live on the other half? What? Me live for a year on a hundred pounds? Well, of course. Yes, I suppose I eat more or something. Anyhow, that gives us a year each, apart from what either of us earns in that time, which is bound to be something. You, you mean that's all you have in the world? Except for a fountain pen with a gold nib. Real gold. And you're going to give me half? Not of the fountain pen, no. Of the 200 pounds. And on certain conditions, of course. Oh, what are they? Oh, please make them hard. Well, first of all, you must tell me your name. Weston. That was my maiden name. Mary Weston. And I hate the other, so... Do you mind if I keep my maiden name? No, I rather prefer it. Thank you. What are the other conditions? Just one. It may be difficult. What? Well, since it's well past noon, you've got to let me take you to lunch. That was the beginning, Michael. Yes, that lunch. And then you found me a room in the same house where you stayed. And it was cheaper that way. The landlady gave me a bargain rate. And all the time I was working on my book, you stood by, keeping me at it, helping me, never letting me lose hope. Until that day you came slamming in. Mary! Mary! Well? It is well, my child. Oh, Michael, really? Yes. The book? Yes. Chapman and Hall have taken it. Oh, Michael, I am glad. Hurry, please, tell me all about it. Well, Mr. Hall said, 50 pounds on account, 10% royalty. 50 pounds? And Chapman said, if we did this for everyone, Mr. Rowe, we should have to put up our shutters. And what did you do? Get on your knees and say, thank you, Mr. Chapman. God bless you, Mr. Hall. No. Something in my chair suddenly barked out, make it 100 and crash like gentlemen. Michael, you didn't. Yes, I did. I was so surprised I fainted. When I came round, I heard Chapman saying, Well, take a hundred of you must, and Hall said on 15% royalty over 5,000. Now, who says I'm not a businessman? A hundred pounds. You know, I think it was the typing that really got me. Oh, no, Michael. Oh, Mary, Mary. All those weeks when I used to ask you how you were getting on and you'd tell me everything about the shop, never a word about the typing lessons and the typewriter you were starving yourself oh, for. Oh, I wasn't. Oh, Michael, if you knew what it meant to me, to feel that someday I should be able to help you. Mary, I want to talk to you. Yes, Michael. Mary, you know, don't you, that I love you? I didn't know, Michael. But these last few months, I've wondered sometimes. Do you love me, Mary? Always. Always from that first day. You knew, didn't you? No. I'm glad I didn't show it too plainly. Oh, I was so proud of loving you. Will you say again that you love me? I just love you. Whatever else, nothing can take that away. Well, there won't be anything else. You're going to marry me. But, Michael, I... I know, I know. You're going to tell me you're already married, but you aren't married. You never were married. He wrote you that himself. Still, and I... who knows where he is? He may be dead. He may be... He may be married again. If we started the search, the whole thing would come out. Oh, it mustn't. Your father, a clergyman, we couldn't do that. We have ourselves to think of, Mary, just us. The two of us. 
Marry me, Mary. Pledge yourself to me as I pledge myself to you. Whatever the law is, the pledge is binding on us. Will you, Mary? Yes, Michael. I will. We were happy, weren't we, Mary? Yes, all those years. Even when you went off to the war, I always felt that you were there with me. And my work was going well, and the boy... Ah, David. No one ever had a son as fine as that. Do you remember that night? Yes. We just had a letter from him, his first year away at school. And your picture had been in the paper that day. Some fashion note, Mrs. Michael Rowe, wife of the well-known author. And that night I was expecting a friend, oh, a very dull one. And I'd sent you to your room so you wouldn't be bored. And then the bell rang. And when I opened it... Captain Rowe? Yeah? I won't keep you a moment, Captain Rowe, if I might just... Uh... Come in. And please forget the captain, I'm trying. <laughs> Quite so. I can understand your feelings, Mr. Rowe, although unfortunately my old enemy. Uh, my heart, you know. However, one did what one could. Yeah? Uh, well, now, Mr. Rowe, you must be wondering who I am and what I'm here for, naturally. Michael, <laughs> would you like to sit in a... Harry! Harry. Michael, he's come back. It's him. Harry Price at your service, sir. Husband of the affectionate lady now in your arms. But you weren't. Your marriage wasn't legal. You were married already. Oh, that. <laughs> oh, that was just a little going away story. No, I'm afraid I've only been married once. In fact, I'm still married to a girl whose name used to be Mary Weston. I see. Mr. Price... Some 14 years ago, I promised myself that if ever I met you, I'd punch your filthy face for you. And go on punching as long as we could both stand up. Well, I'm older now and life doesn't seem so simple. But I warn you, you're due for it. And with the very least provocation, you'll get it. Oh, no, no roughness, Mr. Rowe. Remember my weak heart. Harry, you wouldn't let him be rough. Why have you come here, Harry? Darling, I think that's fairly obvious. He's come after money. Very well. Call me a blackmailer. I don't mind. Your wife's a bigger miss. Perhaps she doesn't mind it either. But getting down to business, my price a thousand pounds. And when you spent that, what then? I give you my word of honor, Mr. You Rowe. haven't got a word of honor. And I haven't got much more patience. Outside, Mr. Rowe? Well, look here, I've been in America. I'll go I there. said outside. I'll cut the thousand. Make it five hundred. Get out. Oh, so she's not worth 500, eh? You want her to go to prison. You want to get rid of her. You've got your eye on some other little piece. Oh, well, if you need some help, come on, move along outside. Uh, now then, now then, no roughness. No, no. Michael. Michael, what happened? What's wrong with him? I don't know, Mary. I'll have a look. Michael, why doesn't he get up? Mary, he's dead. The second act of the Lady Esther Screen Guild play will follow in a moment. Now, a word from Lady Esther. If you go to a beauty parlor for a professional facial... First thing they do is to cleanse your skin thoroughly. Next, they soften and soothe your skin. Third, an application to close the pore openings. And then fourth, they apply a base for your powder. Those are the four essential parts of any facial. 
I tell you that because these are exactly the same four things Lady Esther Four Purpose Face Cream does for your skin. At home, away at work, out shopping, anywhere you are, you can give yourself a 60-second Lady Esther facial and immediately see and feel your skin softer, fresher, and younger looking. Because this one cream by itself, first, thoroughly cleans the skin. Second, softens the skin. Third, helps nature refine the pores. And fourth, leaves a smooth, perfect base for powder. You just smooth on Lady Esther Four Purpose Face Cream, then wipe it off. And in about one minute, you've given your skin the four things it needs most for beauty. And now I'll tell you something I've seen happen thousands of times. You will increase and speed the beautifying results if you will take time regularly to give your skin several applications of Lady Esther Four Purpose Face Cream, one right after the other. Smooth it on, wipe it off, and then repeat. If you will try this for a few days, I can assure you, you will see such clear new freshness, such smooth softness, skin so much younger looking, that your heart will really sing about it. And now, Lady Esther presents the second act of Michael and Mary, starring Anne Todd and Herbert Marshall. Michael, why doesn't he get up? Mary, he's dead. That was a bad moment, wasn't it, darling? Almost the worst we've ever had. It was the boy that we kept thinking of. Yes, David, we both loved him so. We couldn't let him be dragged into a thing like that. But we knew we had to do something, remember? Harry lying there, dead on the floor. We told ourselves we ought to ring up the police. Yet we couldn't let them know the fellow had been your husband. So you made up a story. One of your best. You helped me with it. As you always have. And then, quite suddenly, it seemed, the police were there. Perhaps Mrs. Rowe would like to wait in her room while we talk for a bit, Of course, Inspector. Madam, I shall want to see you for a moment afterwards. I'll let you know. Thank you. Cuff, did you notify the doctor? Yes, sir. He's on his way, Inspector. Good. Now then, Mr. Rowe, what happened? He fell down suddenly, Inspector, just like that. Dead. Hit him? No, not really. I pushed him out of the way. Didn't hit his head on anything? I don't think so. No, sir. No sign of blood, Inspector. Well, then let's have the story, Mr. Rowe. How did he come here? Well, where do I begin? There was something about me in the evening paper. You see, I'm, I'm a writer. Oh. Books? Yes. Ah. Cuff. Ever hear of Mr. Michael Rowe? Yes, sir. Hmm. Cuff's a bit of a writer himself. Aren't you, Cuff? Oh, I don't know, sir. Well, Mr. Rowe? Well, he called himself Cameron. Said he'd seen my name in the paper, and as he'd been in my company in France, came round to see me. Hard-up story? Oh, yes, the usual. I had a man called Cameron, and this fellow looked like another man whose name I couldn't remember for the moment. Between the two, he took me in, and... And so you took him in, eh? Yes. Then, after a bit, he began giving himself away. As soon as I was certain he was a fraud, I told him to clear out. He became rather... Truculent. I said I'd ring up the police. I made a move to the door. He tried to stop me. I pushed him out of the way and he just collapsed. Cameron, eh? Hmm, Scott's name. Uh, what was your regiment, sir? Bedfordshire. Taking a risk, wasn't he? Mightn't have been a Cameron in your company at all. 
Um, were you in France, Inspector? No, sir. Had to have some police in London, huh? No, of course. Mm. But you see, you go into action, say, 120 strong. You come out 50, you pick up a draft of 60, turn them around three times, and go into action again, come out 70, pick up another 40, and so on forever. Rather difficult to remember all their names three years later. I see, sir. You think we could trace him through the army? I don't think so, Inspector. You see, he told me he had a weak heart. That's when I began to smell the fraud. Didn't think he'd been in the army at all. When I faced him with it, he admitted it readily enough. Then our first job is to find out who he was. Uh, you'll be called for the inquest, Mr. Rowe. Right. Now, if I could just see Mrs. Rowe for a moment. No, no I don't expect she'll have much to tell us. Well, you'll see. Of course, I'm in your hands entirely, but if you could spare her the ordeal of the inquest, I should be... I expect you understand, Inspector. Oh, that's all right, Mr. Rowe. I'll do what I can. Thanks very much. I'll go and fetch her. All correct, Inspector? Well, Cuff, what do you think? Well, sir, I think he was her first husband whom she's lawfully married, and he called unexpected and started something. And they poisoned him together with a subtle poison which the South American Indians use for their errors. <laughs> oh, God, you've been reading Sherlock Holmes again. And after that, Michael, the police were gone. And then later, the inquest, they accepted your innocence. And soon they simply forgot about it. All except Cuff. Remember how he kept coming around? Wanting you to write a detective story? Some lurid thing he swore had happened in his work. And that we knew he'd concocted on a sleepless night? Good old Cuff. All those years. Ten years. Until our David was grown. And married. As he was just yesterday. And safe. Because he's found the right girl. Michael. Is that why you've written our story? Yes, Mary. Because our story is done. It's ended now. All that remains. Yeah? Oh, yes, of course. Tell him to come up. Speak of the devil, Mary. It's Sergeant Cuff. It's nice to see you again, Sergeant. Thank you, ma'am. What have you been doing, Cuff? Well, sir, I'll tell you how it is. We've been after a, what you might call a criminal gang in your profession. Not book reviewers? No, sir. Counterfeit coin. I dare say you've seen something about it in the papers, the Taylor gang. No, I've missed that. What about you, Mary? No, I'm afraid. Oh, a tough lot. There was a woman among them, called herself Sally Winter. Went into the box and said she'd never had a fair chance. No more in a manner she hadn't. Married at 17, deserted by her husband, no means of support, gotten a bad habits. Well, it's a story we hear often enough, and I dare say often enough, if not, it's true. I dare say. Well, you know, Mrs. Rowe, we do our best to see fair play, no matter what the public says about us. So it became my place to inquire into this so as to set the facts in the best possible light for her. If so be, they amounted to extenuate in circumstances. Very decent of you, Cuff. Traditions of the force, Mr. Rowe. Well, sir, we found her story was true, the most of it. And who do you think the man was? Who? Why, that same man has fell down dead in your flat back there in 1919. Oh, Michael... Really? Well, the judge says a good word for us, and the young woman, not so young, of course, 35 she'd give herself, got off with six months. Oh, the poor, poor thing. Well, madam, in a manner she was brought to it, but the law's the law and has to be respected. And the, uh, the case ended there? Well, as you know, Mr. Rowe, I don't like leaving a story unfinished. We'd met this man once in your flat, and now we'd met him again. I says to myself, you've left your mark in one or two other places, my lad, if I'm not mistaken. Let's have a look for you. Account of being my duty, you see, sir, and account of being my pleasure, as I might say. 
So I had to look for him between times. Yes? That man, Price his name was, Harry Price. And do you remember the Brides in the Bath case? Yes. Well, that's the sort of man Price was. Well, I can't go so far as to put a murder on him, but I have my opinion as to that. Oh. Oh, horrible. Well, I got him pretty well taped by now, sir. I'm on to what looks like his first marriage, 1905. Mary West, or Westall. Now, I dare say by tonight I shall know all about that. Yes, it's quite possible. Well, that's how it is, sir. Madam, I knew you'd be interested, seeing as you were acquainted with the party. I'll let you know if anything develops. Thank you, Cuff. We are very much interested. A privilege, sir. Well, good day. Good day, Mrs. Rowan. Thanks for your kindness. So, Mary, the story has not ended. Michael, what will happen now? Well, we shall soon know. I've often wondered... But it's ridiculous. Almost 25 years. For all we knew, I might have been a widow or never properly married to him at all. Michael, it wasn't bigamy. Oh, that's all over now, Mary. It's the perjury they won't like. You mean what you told them when Harry died? What would they do to you? Six months. About that. Six months away from me? Darling, I was away much longer in the war. You mustn't be afraid. I'm not. I'm not afraid. And David is safe now. He's grown. He's a man. If he has to know, he'll understand. After all, Mary, we have protected him as much as we could. It was really for David's sake we told that story to the police. Michael, you love him very much. Yes. And still, much as I love him, I love your little finger. Your funny little finger. More than all of David. Did you know that, Mary? Yes. I think I did know Michael. Yes, Mary? You've got a funny little finger, too. Thank you, Herbert Marshall and Anne Todd, for your heartwarming performances tonight. Thank you, Mr. Miles. These radio programs contribute so much to the Motion Picture Relief Fund and its country house, and so an invitation to appear with the Lady Esther Screen Guild players becomes a privilege indeed. And now, before we tell you about next week's show, here's a word from one of America's best-known beauty authorities, Lady Esther. Thank you, Miss Todd. Ladies, before you go to bed tonight, I wish you would take your hand mirror and really study your skin. Then ask yourself this question. Do I look older than I really should? I suggest this because unless you honestly believe you are as young-looking as you can be, I can offer you help. Several times every day at home, away at work, or anywhere, give yourself a 60-second Lady Esther facial. Just smooth on Lady Esther for-purpose face cream, then wipe it off. It takes about one minute. And this one cream by itself provides the four essential things your skin needs most for beauty. First, it cleans your skin. Second, it softens your skin. Third, it helps nature refine the pores. And fourth, it provides a smooth, perfect base for your powder. You will immediately see and feel results from my 60-second facial. New softness and smoothness. Your skin fresher and younger looking. But you will increase the results by regularly giving your skin a second, yes, even a third application of Lady Esther Four Purpose Face Cream. Smooth it on, wipe it off, and then repeat. I know this. Thousands of women have written to tell me their happiness about skin 
almost miraculously fresher, softer and smoother, clearer and glowingly younger looking. That's why I hope you will try it too. Next week, the Lady Esther Screen Guild players will present Adorable. It will star Shirley Temple, Charles Coburn, and Peter Lawford. Be sure to listen. Michael and Mary was produced and directed by Bill Lawrence and adapted by Harry Cronman. Herbert Marshall appeared through the courtesy of Frigidaire and may be heard in his own program every Saturday evening over this network. Ann Todd appeared through the courtesy of David O. Selznick and will soon star in Alfred Hitchcock's The Paradigm Case. Music on tonight's program was arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Tonight's Lady Esther Screen Guild show is being heard by our servicemen and women overseas through the worldwide shortwave and network facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. This is Ted Myers speaking for Lady Esther. Thank you and good night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs>